Church, we are glad that you are here. Um, we are so excited just to be worshiping with you this morning. Uh, my name is Hayden. And I just want to welcome um, everyone, all our regular attenders. Um, if you're a guest this morning, a visitor, I want to welcome you as well. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, um, we love you and we're glad that you are, uh, you're tuning in to us this morning. And we're excited about what God's doing. Um, as you saw, we are about to embark on a two-week journey uh, to a new series called Shadow Singer. And um, I'm, I came up with that myself. I'm excited about it. Um, and we're ready, we're ready to go, ready to preach it, um, ready to see what God does in our life this morning. And um, now, I know that's an unfamiliar term. Uh, shadow singer, and that's not something that we use in our regular vocabulary, and so I want to help define that this morning, and uh, we're going to get into that in just a minute, but um, my, my, my prayer and my hope for, for this series, as we move into this, as we move in these next two weeks, my prayer and my hope for you guys is, man, is that, is that though that everything in life right, seems to surround us, and everything is surrounding us and closing in on us. When, when, when life gets hard, when addiction strikes, when depression strikes, when anxiety hits, when you feel like there's no way out, my prayer is that we become singers and we praise God for how good He is and how amazing He is and how, and how faithful He is, even though we don't feel it or see it in our life. My hope, my prayer for you in this series is that is that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is what we're going to get into this morning, is that you will fear no evil because God is faithful and he is with us and he, he has delivered us and he has changed us and he is doing something amazing in your life this morning, and I promise you that. And that's my prayer for us as we, as we enter into this series. But um, I, uh, I took a class uh, this past May, took a summer class, here at Charleston Southern University, and um, it, it was it was an interesting class. It was the history of motion picture. Now, I uh, you know it, it was a good class because you could watch movies and get grades, and that is awesome. And it's not hard. All you got to do is show up, and so that's my kind of class. And so I took this class, and I wasn't really sure what I was learning in the midst of the class. You know, I was kind of like I would leave. Um, I would leave the class and go home and be like, okay, that was an interesting movie. You know, that was a good movie, um, but I don't really know the point of it or, or anything. And so I left the class a lot of days kind of confused. But as I was writing this series, and as I was writing this sermon, man, God really began just to pour stuff into my head that I had watched during this class. It was amazing. And what, something that Pastor John always says um, and he said this before, is he says that as soon as you, as God gives you a word and you begin to preach something, right, you're going to preach something, you're going to live it first. You're going to experience that first. And that's something that's so true. This series and, and as being a shadow singer is something that's really dear, near and dear to my heart this morning because it's something that I've been ha having to live. That even though things come at me at different angles and, and things attack me at different angles and Satan wants to steal my praise, and wants to steal my worship, and wants me to focus on everything that's happening to me right now, man, I'm still going to praise the Lord. I still want to praise God for who He is and what He's done for my life. So, in, in 1927, there was a movie that was created, it was, it was filmed, it was produced, and it was released in every American theater. 
1927, the movie that came out was a movie called The Jazz Singer. And it featured the movie star, the actor with the name of Al Jolson in 1927. Now this movie was the, was the most unique movie that had ever been made in history at this point in 1927. Why is that? Because this movie featured sound. Now, there had been movies before this that had sound. There were some uh, cartoons that the Warner Brothers made that had some sound, and there was a, uh, like a theatrical movie that was produced that had some sound. But the difference is the sound was on a loop. It was on a loop. This, it was the same sound throughout the movie. It was the same tune throughout the entire movie. What made the jazz singer so unique was that this was the first full feature film that has synchronized sound. It was the first full feature film with synchronized sound. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that when Al Jolson began to sing, which he regularly did in the movie, or when he had dialogue with his parents or his friends, the same words he was creating with his mouth was the same words that you heard in the movie theater. This was revolutionary. This was incredible. This, this changed everything. And Al Jolson was, you know, he would stand up on the stage and and stand there, and as he, would, as he would begin to sing, man, this beautiful, beautiful song would come out of his mouth, this pure voice, and would echo into the American theaters, and people were captivated because they could see him singing, and they could hear the same words he was singing. Now, the basic story of the movie is his father was a Jewish uh, cantor, I believe the term is. He would sing in the Jewish temple. And he wanted his son that had a beautiful voice to, to follow in his footsteps and sing in the temple. But Al had a different plan. Al wanted to sing in nightclubs. He wanted to sing in, in, in Broadway musicals. He had this talent and he had gained this fame. And so he wanted to sing and he loved it. And so several times in the movie, there would, be, there would be conversations where Al would talk to his parents. They would have arguments. And it's funny, it's a funny movie because the whole film doesn't have pure dialogue. There's only certain sections and he talks to his parents, and, and, and they're talking, and you can hear it, and it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, he goes to this nightclub or this Broadway theater, and he begins to sing this song. And it's beautiful. And it echoed throughout American homes. And there's one famous line that Al Jolson had, and after he finished singing, he said, y'all ain't heard nothing yet. To describe what he had just said, what he had just sang. And the movie echoed throughout American theater. It started like wildfire. And every American home, you know, parents and husbands and wives and, and children, they were saying that phrase, you ain't heard nothing yet. And the influence that the synchronized sound in the movie had on America was amazing. Not only that, but it changed Hollywood forever. Now, when you watch movies, you don't even think about it. Of course, when they talk, you hear what they say. But in 1927, that was a phenomenon. So the point of what I'm saying is that sound has an amazing influence in our life. The power of sound is something amazing. It's something powerful. And my question to you this morning is, how much influence and how much power does your praise have? If synchronized sound and the jazz singer could change the way America looked at movies and life in general, what kind of influence does our praise to God have? Well, what can change? What can we change with our praise? What can we change with, our, with the sound of our mouth? That something happens inside of us 
that no matter what you're going through in your life, and this is my prayer for you guys, that, that the praise of God would, would dwell and swell up in your spirit, and as it would came from your, after it echoed off of your tongue and hit the atmosphere of this planet, what could it change in your life? What could it do? Now, so you know what, we know what a shadow is, and we know what a singer is, but when we put those, that word together, shadow singer, what could that mean? What is, it, what is a shadow singer? Now, I think scripture points to several directions. I think it shows us in many ways what a shadow singer is. There's been several, several evidences of this, and the first one that I think of is uh, King David. We see, and, and maybe you know the life of David, uh, maybe you don't, that's okay. And David, he was the king anointed by God, the king of Israel. God had an amazing plan for his life. And we see all through scripture, David has failed over and over and over and over and over again. And his sin would take him over and he would fall. Yet God was still using him. David was afflicted. He was crushed. He was crushed. Yet, we see him right throughout the Psalms. Man, praise be to God. Praise the Lord for your love endures forever. You are my deliverer. We see God praising. We see David praising God. Praising God over and over and over again, no matter what he was experiencing. And so, I want to point, uh, I believe that in Psalm, we're going to start out this morning, I want to I begin reading uh, Psalm chapter 23 which I think perfectly outlines for us um, what a shadow singer could be. And I'm gonna, I want to help us define that term this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip with me to, to Psalm chapter 23. It should be up on the screen as well. So David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this day, Jesus. Thank you for how good you are, how great you are, God. Your mercy, your grace. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sin because we were not good enough to get there. God, thank you so much for saving us, God. Thank you for this time we get to spend together in a church, a free church. We get to praise your name freely, read your scripture freely. Thank you, Father. Lord, be with me, speak through me this morning, give me the words to say, in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so shadow singer, the word shadow, the word singer, put those together, what does it mean? Psalm 23, David begins and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What I believe, the first step to be a shadow singer, someone that sings in the shadows of life, that even though life is surrounding you, and you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you still sing the praises of God. What I believe David outlines for us is that a shadow singer knows who his defender is. 
he knows who is defending him. He says, for the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, if you know, that a, you know what a shepherd is, you know that a shepherd would follow his flock of sheep. And he would carry a rod and a staff, and that went, and that went, <laughs> hey, Elisa, that's Elisa. That's Elisa Lundquist. Um, <laughs> the Lord, when, it, when a shepherd would follow his flock of sheep, he had a rod and a staff, and that when vicious predators would come after him, come after the sheep, he would defend them. He would fight them off. And so David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my defender. Then in verse 2, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I believe David outlines us for the second thing of the shadow singer is that the shadow singer finds contentment in the Lord for where he is. David says, you make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. Then he writes in the next verse, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. And though he is walking through the valley, God is leading him beside still waters. He's leading him beside green pastures. There is a sense of contentment. Then chapter, uh, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Every, David has every reason to fear, yet he does not fear. Every reason to be afraid, yet he still somehow has courage. Every reason to give up, yet he perseveres. And so the third leg of a shadow singer is that you have every reason to not praise God, but yet you still praise God. David goes on, chapter of verse 5 and 6. Keep calling the verses chapters. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, lastly, he says that, man, I'm going to praise God for who he is. He says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And he says that even though I feel surrounded and I'm walking through this valley of a shadow and I feel like I have nowhere to go in my life, I have, there is no escape from your depression, from your anxiety, from your addiction, from the problem with your marriage, the problem with your kids. There is no escape. Yet God, he says, God prepares a table for me. He's a gracious host. I'm going to praise him for who he is and what he's done. So as I said, there, there are many examples in Scripture and in, in the Bible that, of shadow singers, David being one. But the one that I think is probably the most important, the, the, the figure that exhibits the most singing in the shadows is Job. So if you flip with me to Job, which is just a book before Psalm, Job chapter 1, and I'm going to get back to this story in just a minute. I'm not going to forsake it, but I want to tell you that Satan had a plan against Job, and that was to completely crush Job in every way possible. He knew that if he could afflict Job bad enough that Job would turn his eyes away from God and he would curse God. And so Job lost everything in his life. He lost everything. He lost his family, his children, all his wealth. Yet Job still worshipped God. 
What a perfect example of a shadow singer. Job lost everything, and we'll get back to this story in just a second. Yet it says in scripture, he says he fell and he worshiped. So we know what a shadow singer is. We know, we know what scripture outlines of what I believe a shadow singer could be, but why? Why is it important to be a shadow singer? Why, why would that have importance? All right, I'll tell you. So we gotta lean in because this is important. We're gonna keep my voice down. So I found something. I found something pretty crazy. And it, it's, it's pretty awesome. And it's actually in scripture. And it's in the first book of the Bible. It's in Genesis. And uh, I found this crazy, this, I found this plan, this battle plan. And it's actually, I actually found Satan's battle plan against humanity. His original plan. This is crazy, listen. So I'm gonna paint the picture for you. God, right? God creates earth. He creates. It's perfect, blameless, spotless, no sin. God creates man. He creates Adam. Perfect, spotless, blameless, without sin. God creates woman. Perfect, spotless, blameless, without sin. He puts them together. He says, go, live life. Be fruitful, multiply. Enjoy, enjoy my creation, enjoy the garden. And they go, and who knows the vast blessing of the Garden of Eden. He says, enjoy. Creation was perfect, spotless, blameless, without sin. Then, chapter three, Genesis chapter three, the serpent, Satan, in the form of a certain, he comes up, he slithers in his way up into the scene, and he comes up and he, and he, he meets Eve, in the Garden of Eden. And he, he walks up to her and he's like, hey, did, did God really tell you you couldn't eat of the tree? He said, she's, yeah, yeah, like, like God made all this, all this for us, made all these trees for us, but said we couldn't eat of this one tree, the one in the middle, the knowledge of good and evil. He says, did God really tell you to do that? She says, well, yeah, he, he said I would die. And Satan said, no, you won't die. No. Surely you won't die. You won't die if you eat of, of what God told you not to eat. The reason why he told you not to eat is because he knew it would make you like him. It would make you like God. He doesn't want that, Eve. He's a, he didn't want you to be like him. He's, he's scared of that. This is Hayden insert, obviously. And so Eve takes the fruit. His scripture says that she takes the fruit, sees that it is good for food, and eats. Now, sin has entered into the world. They disobeyed the commandments of God. Sin is here. Now, now what is Satan's battle plan? Why, why be shadow singers? What's the importance? What is Satan's battle plan? His plan was to make them value something more than God, value something more than God, and then once they do that, they would have shame in their life, and their shame would create silence. I'll prove it to you. Go ahead. If you hadn't flipped there, flip to Genesis chapter 3. Let's put this little thing back on. Okay. Genesis chapter 3. We're keeping our voice down. We're staying quiet this morning. Genesis chapter 3. Go ahead. Verse 6. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband. So sin enters into the world. Verse 7, then the eyes eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord... They heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of the garden, and I I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Satan's plan. Make them value something more than God. When they did that, they would create shame in them. Right? We saw this. They, 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 they knew they were naked, so they were, they were ashamed. They hid. They, they covered themselves. And their shame then created silence from God. Because Satan knew. He knew that if he could make them silent, he knew that if he could if he could take their praise away, that he could take their power away. He knew that if he could get them quiet, that he could could rupture their relationship with God forever. And I want to tell you this morning that your praise has power. There's something about our praise that when we praise God for who he is and what he's done, when we praise him anyways, there is power that comes out of your mouth. And it gives you power over your life and over your circumstances. And it gives you hope in your life, in your circumstances. And it gives you joy in your life because your, your praise has power and Satan knows it. And so his plan was to create, make them value something more than God, create shame, in their life, and then because of their shame, they would be silent. Think about it in your own life. Think about it. What happens when you sin? What's the first thing you do when you sin? If you're, if you're righteous and you're a really good Christian, maybe you go instantly to the Lord, and man, praise God for you. We need more people like you. But I know myself, I know that when I sin and when I fall short, that's not the first place I go. The first place I do is I run and I hide in my shame and I'm silenced from God. I don't turn to God and instantly start praising him for how good he is. I hide in my silence. John Piper, a famous theologian and preacher, pastor of the day, he puts it like this. He says that worship, the definition of worship is valuing or treasuring God above all things. Valuing or treasuring God above all things. That's the definition of worship. Now you think about it. Look at what Satan did to Eve. He tempted her to value something more than God. He turned her worship from God to herself and her own situation, and her own shortcomings, and her own issues. She found out, wait a second, I'm not like God. I'm not as wise as God. And so he said, look what you can do. You can eat of this fruit and become like him. And so her worship changed from God to herself. 
And she began valuing herself and her own situation more. And Satan's plan was perfectly executed. And their worship turned from God to their own situation. And that's what I want to speak into this morning. Is I don't know what you're going through. I don't, I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know if it's a health problem. I don't know if it's a family crisis. I don't know what's happening in your life, financial issues. But Satan has a very specific tactic, and that is to take your attention away from God and put it on your problems and our issues and our shortcomings and our failures. He wants you to stop looking at the one that has all the answers, that is faithful, that is good, that will never fail us, and he wants us to put our attention on ourselves. And all it does is leave us lost and leave us silent and leave us lacking and wanting more. Verse 7. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man. And said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And then the man makes excuses. The woman gave it to me. Gave me the fruit of the tree that I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Go back up to verse 9. God says, But the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? God didn't ask, Where are you? Because he didn't know. No, he's God. <laughs> he, he knew. He knew where they were. God knows everything. He didn't ask them, Where are you? Because he didn't know. He asked them, Where are you? Because they were silent. They grew silent. Now, I don't want to speculate, and I don't know how the, the dynamic of the Garden of Eden worked when God and Adam and Eve were there. But you got to imagine, let's just imagine for a second, you got to think that when God came to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve and God didn't wander around for hours trying to find each other. Like, Adam, Eve, where are you guys? Like, I'm over here. And they're like trying to find each other. They don't, you got to think, that's not what happened. They don't have, you know, they didn't have find my friends on iPhone and find my friends on Snapchat. And they didn't have all that good stuff. So you got to think that when God came to earth, there was a sound. You got to think that when God entered to creation, there was a glorious sound. And, and you got to think that Adam and Eve, they were, they were making sound. They were praising because they were in perfect creation. And so when God came to the garden after the sin had happened, he says, where are you? Not because he didn't know, but because Adam and Eve were hiding in their sin and their shame, and they were silent. And Satan's plan was executed perfectly. So why are we shadow singers? Because it gives us power in our praise, number one. It gives you power 
Number two, it counters the attack of Satan in your life. It's the counter of his attack. Verse eight, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool, and they hid themselves. Verse 10, skip nine. And he said, I heard the sound of you, and I was afraid. Look what Satan did to the sound. Look at how he twisted it. Look at how he twists the sound in your own life. They heard the sound of God walking, and they hid. They've never done that before in their life. God took the sound of God and he twisted it in their life and he twisted it to make them afraid and run and hide from God. This is why when you're at work, this is why when you're around your coworkers or your family that's not believers or your friends that don't like God and you have on the, the elevation worship on your phone and they see it and they start acting all weird. This is why when you start praying for your meal at lunch, on your lunch break, this is why people are like, they look at you funny. This is why when you walk up to someone that you barely even talk to and you say, hey, I just feel like God wants me to pray for you. Can I just pray for you right now? Can I just, I just feel like something's going on in your life. Can I just pray for you? That's why they're like, what? Pray for me? What are you talking about? Because the sound of God is frightening to those that are silent from God. The sound of God is, is, is fear for those who don't know God. Satan twists the sound. He takes the sound of love. He takes the sound of, of, a, of a loving God and he makes them afraid of it. And my question is, is what if Eve would have responded to the serpent with worship? What would have happened? What if, what if when he said, hey, come on, God didn't really say that. He didn't, he didn't really say, God didn't really tell you, you know, you couldn't eat. He just, he just, he just afraid of what might happen to you. So it's good, you know, just eat it. Just, just eat the fruit. What if she responded with, my God is good. My God is faithful. My God has a plan for me. His truth is true in my life. And no matter what you say to me, devil, I will not eat of the fruit. What if she responded? Our praise has power. Our praise can change situations. And as David wrote in Psalm 23, that even though he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he would fear no evil. And praising God in the midst of your circumstances, that no matter the struggle, no matter the issues, no matter what's going on in your life, you can praise him and it can give you hope, it can give you joy, it can give you life. Job chapter one. This is a, this is a really cool story, Job, book of Job, and I don't have time to read the whole thing, it's a big book, but when you leave today, maybe you and your wife or you and your kids or your grandkids or whatever, maybe y'all finish, finish the book of Job around the lunch table or something and just talk about it, but, but the beginning of the story, basically, God is chilling, hanging out, Satan walks up to him, God's like, where have you come from? And Satan's like, oh, well, I've just been walking around on the earth, you know, 
He's like, he's got an attitude about it. You know, he's like, I'm just coming to and fro. That's what scripture says. You know, I've been walking around the earth trying to mess with somebody. You know, he's got an attitude. He's Satan. Of course he has an attitude. He's trying to mess with somebody. And, and the Lord looks at Job and says, well, well, have you considered my servant Job? Looks at Satan and says, have you considered my servant Job? He's a righteous man. There's no one like him in this planet. There's no one like him in the world. He is righteous and upright. And Satan laughs and kind of chuckles. He's like, yeah, right. Hands in his pockets, you know, walking. Yeah, right, God. Have you seen the blessing you've given him? You have a hedge of protection around him. This is all in scripture. Chapter one. You You have a hedge of protection around him. You blessed his life. Look at the blessing you put on him. Of course he praises you. Of course he sings praises to your name. He says, Satan says to the Lord, well, put your hand on it. Take some of that stuff away. Take some of those things away and then see what Job does. He'll curse you to your face. God says, he says, okay, why don't you, why don't you go after him? Why don't you go mess with him since you want to mess with somebody? And the Lord said to Satan in, in verse 12, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand, which means don't, you can't kill him, you can't take his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord to go mess with Job. Now I'm going to pick up reading in chapter thir- uh, verse 13. Chapter 1, verse 13 of Job. Now there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabians, people from the south, fell upon them. And they took them and struck them down with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet still speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet still speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans, people from the north, formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are all dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. Those are, those are typical things they would do for mourning in those days. Shave their head, tear your robe. And fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Satan goes to Job, and he takes everything. He takes his livestock, he takes his wealth, he kills his servants, he kills his children. And what's interesting is the, sub, the Sabians from the south came 
The Chaldeans from the north came and attacked. The fire of heaven fell from above. Job was completely surrounded by heartache, by depression, by death. He was completely surrounded, and maybe we can relate with that this morning, that maybe you feel completely surrounded by something. You feel like there is no way out. You feel that you are in the midst of the valley of the shadow. Yet Job fell. Look at what he did, y'all. Chapter, verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell on the ground, and he worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord has given stuff to me, and he will take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord God forever. Blessed be his name. And because Job was a shadow singer, he countered the attack of Satan in that moment. And though he was in the shadow, he still sang to God. He still sang praises to God. Job fell and worshiped. Now, I don't want to be naive this morning, and I don't want to lead you astray in any way, and um, your praise does have power, and it can affect your situation. It can change your life. It can change what you're going through. However, your praise doesn't always fix the pain in your life. Your praise of God doesn't always change your circumstances. Sometimes you still go through hard things. Sometimes you, we still experience tragedy, though we still praise God. How do I know this? Look at the rest of the book of Job. Read the rest of the, of the book. Job was continuously afflicted. Job was continuously torn. But he never stopped praising God. He cursed his own birth, but he did not charge God with wrong. That's in scripture. And so though your praise may not take your pain, your pain is real. The pain that you feel is real. And if you've lost a loved one, and if you have sickness, and if you suffer from addiction, and you have pain, maybe your addiction has separated your family completely, and praising God doesn't take the pain away. I'm not saying that it will, but what I am saying is that it puts God there and it keeps us here and it puts him there as faithful and we're faithless and he has a plan and we don't know the plan. And when we praise God anyways, whew, it changes your perspective. The band can come on up. I'm going to finish with this. Psalm chapter 48. It says, it reads, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. 
and he established them forever and ever. And he gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all, in all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His, ma his majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Man, there's something special about a praise. There's something special about the sound that we have in us. The sound that we have to praise God for who he is. And we can praise him for his greatness, and we can praise him for his glory, and we can praise him for his faithfulness when it seems like there is no reason to do so around us. We can sing in the shadows of life. And God will be glorified. Why do we praise him? Why do we sing? Why are we shadow singers? It's to glorify God for what he's done. It's to glorify him for the cross of Jesus. It's to glorify him for saving us when we couldn't save ourselves. We were dead in our sin and our trespasses. But God had a plan for us. He was faithful and he sent Jesus to live on this earth a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the grave, and took your sin. That is why we praise And Psalm 148 puts it so clearly what we just read, and it just says, praise him, just praise him. Praise him with all the angels, everyone that you are around, with your family, your friends, your co-workers, your church. Praise God. He is in control. It says the fire, hell, snow, and mist, stormy wind fulfills his word. We're going to praise God. Man, this past week, in my life the past couple weeks, I've been pushed in certain ways. I've been pushed. And Satan wants to steal my praise. He wants to silence me. He wants to steal my praise. He wants me to be quiet. He wants me to not praise God for how good he is because of something that's going on in my life. But I want to I tell you today that I will not be silent. No. I will not be silent because God is good. He is faithful. He has a plan. He has saved us. And I know one thing for sure. I know one thing for sure that in 1927, Satan did not go buy a ticket to go see the jazz singer in 1927. You know why he didn't? Because Satan doesn't like synchronized sound. 
Satan hated that movie. Satan doesn't like synchronized sound. He doesn't like it when the church of God gets together and we sing praises to God together. He doesn't like it when we sync up and we sing to him. No matter the circumstances, no matter the problems, no matter the issues in your life, he hates it when we get together and we sing a praise to God. Satan would not have bought a ticket to jazz singer because he hates it when you align your spirit with heaven, the sound of heaven, and you begin to praise God. There's something special about a sound. There's something special about being a shadow singer. And maybe today you need to realign your praise. Maybe today your praise has been on yourself. Maybe today your praise has been on your circumstances, your situations. And man, you got to come down here and just realign. Just say, God, Lord, I just, I turn everything. I let everything go. And I look to you author and perfecter of my faith and I look to you and I trust you and I believe in you and I know that you are good and I will praise you no matter what. Maybe this morning you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him and you want to have a relationship with him. Please come talk to us. I'll be down front. Our elders will be down front. Please come talk to us. There's something about a sound. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for your glory, for your grace, your presence in our life. We feel like you're not there sometimes, but God, you're always there. You're always faithful. You're always working. Thank you, God, for the, for the ability to praise you. Thank you, God, for the, for the opportunity to make a sound to heaven. God, Scripture says if we don't praise even the rocks, the rocks will cry out. Creation will praise you. So God, I pray right now, I pray for every person in this room. I pray, God, for every, every soul. God, I pray you just work and you move in their life in an amazing way right now, God. You touch them. Reach out your hand and touch each individual right now, Father. God, put your hand on their spirit, Lord. If they need healing, I pray for healing this morning. God, if, they, God, if they're lost in their sin, I pray that they be found this morning. They find life. God, I pray that if they have no joy, I pray you awaken joy in their spirit this morning. God, if they have no hope, you awaken hope in their spirit this morning. God, I pray... Lord, if they have no sound, that if Satan has used shame to silence them from your relationship, from a relationship with you, God, I pray that you awaken the sound in their spirit, Lord, and they would walk out of these doors praising you for how good you are. Come on, Father, awake this church. Awake us, Jesus. Fill us with your presence. Fill this room with your spirit. I pray for life change. I pray for salvation. God, you're so good. In the name of Jesus, amen.